What's up, everybody? Welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. So in cannabis, we have entered a state of war, uh, a war of software, a soft war, if you will. Uh, that's time you laugh a little bit. Uh, so particularly dispensaries, which is still the hub of where all this great legal cannabis comes from. It's just a ripe business opportunity. They have so many needs. They need all these services, many of which uh, a lot of businesses need. But they have specific needs, feature sets, based on the regulations associated with cannabis. Uh, and that's what we're going to talk about a little bit tonight. Uh, and we have Ben here from Green Bits. What's up, man? How are yeah, you? Great. I'm doing well. Thanks for being here. So why don't you just start off and tell us a little bit, what, it, what is Green Bits? Okay. So Green Bits, we build a point of sale, inventory management, and compliance system for dispensaries and marijuana retail stores. Okay. So it's everything from here, like their cash register, running the cash register, um, all the checkout of all the cannabis, including managing all the back stock, all the front stock. And lastly, actually hooking into the state regulatory controls and actually reporting all of the detailed movements of inventory on their behalf. So Which they is don't really the secret sauce here, right? That I is mean, definitely, yeah. yeah. So, so we'll get to that in a minute. Just like, let's pick apart what you said. So the POS, right? This is an iPad that you put in this nice casing here, right? Yep. Uh, and uh, so if you sign up, do you, do you give the iPad? Is that something that they buy? How is that part of the, the system here? Yep. So in general, we're a software company. So mm -hmm. we spend time building the RIPs really in software. Okay, so, but we do sell hardware as well. So when someone signs up, they can pretty much buy this kit right here from us. We, we sell it through um, one of our distributors. Um, yeah, and so they would just pretty much buy this, install our iPad app. Uh, we help them onboard and get trained up all their staff. Uh, and then they're you know good to go to start selling. Totally. So okay. So the POS, which is pretty standard, like if you use Square or whatever, yep. right? Kind of a kind of a similar setup. Uh, and then this is actually the cash register part, right? Where like the cash comes out, yep. particularly important cannabis, right? Yep. We'll get into that in a second. Yes. Too. Cash is everything. <laughs> and then this prints receipts, right? Yep. Receipt printer. The, so pretty basic stuff here, right? Yep. Uh, and there are a number of companies working on this, mm -hmm. right? There are a number of cannabis POS uh, companies out there. Uh, why, why Green Bits? I mean, what makes you guys just that much more special? Yep. So, you know, I've spent my career working with small businesses and building software for them to solve their problems, in particular compliance. So um, I was at Intuit. I worked on QuickBooks as an engineer, which is an accounting and bookkeeping software. It works with compliance and tax compliance. Um, my last business was called Outright. It was a web-based accounting and bookkeeping solution. I've personally started several small businesses and some large ones. Um, so. I really understand how to build software really dumbed down so anyone can use it. And with the regular, regulatory control so complex, you pretty much need very, very simple software if you expect your bud tenders to run your store mm. without you being around and you being stressed out mm. all day long. Mm. So our secret sauce is really taking something which is fairly complex, dumbing it down so anyone can do it. And we don't just say it. We actually do it, which is why we can take such large, you know, market share from some of these other competitors who've been in since, you know, 2012. Yeah, let's talk about market share for a second. I mean, you guys have exploded in Washington State, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I think uh, when I watched Disrupt, you you quoted a 40% number part market penetration. What what is it today? Yeah, so we're just a little bit over 50% wow. um, today. And in what time period is that? So we launched our first store on July 7th, which is. Uh, the second day that cannabis was legal in Washington. Wow. Um, and we grew really slow, you can imagine, through the uh, summertime. 
And then we started really um, getting more into sales. And then lately we've been taking a lot of customers uh, from other point of sale systems. Got it. And how were you so ready to take advantage of that? I mean, the second day in, I mean, <laughs> you, you obviously thought about this. I yeah. mean, where, when did you get involved and, and why? why? Why get involved? So it was, I sold, so I sold my previous company in 2012. And I stayed there for, um, I stayed at the, the company that acquired us for um, a year. And when I left, I was, you know, I took some time off and then eventually I got bored in general. I really love building products and building companies. So after about six months, I, I, I got pretty bored. I, um, I have this kind of list and what of- what was your contract for? How long were you supposed to be there? So actually I could have really left the day after the acquisition. Oh really? With no, yeah, so I didn't have any real golden handcuffs. I believed in the oh. vision and uh, I thought it was a good, you know, it was a good person to acquire the company. So did you get options in that in that company and, and they just vested immediately or out of that? Yeah, so they, they bought it, it was, um, you know, it was cash and some stock. Okay. Um, the company was private, it's yeah. now public. Yeah. So, um, you know, so I got the cash right away. The stock was just vested already, I had it. And then of course, you know, you get an option package and like a normal technology company right, right. thereafter. Yeah. Um, so when I, when I was, I have this idea. So I have this idea list that I always keep. So in general, I'm always very busy. So when I have an idea, um, I actually talk to my phone. I have Evernote set up and she's named Eva on my phone. And I'll go, hey, Eva, um, why does it have to be so painful to do X? And that's like literally all I'll say. And it goes, it gets filtered into this folder of ideas. Uh, that happened, you know, I might do that for three years. And then all of a sudden I actually have time. So I go through and I go, okay, what were all these ideas that I had over time? Mm-hmm. Well, when I went through that list, there was a bunch of different things I did. I, I worked on drones for a little bit. It was an idea, um, testing it. I worked on like making automated sprinkler systems, kind of like the Nest, but for sprinkler systems. And eventually I found a note that said, look at cannabis. Mm-hmm. And, and it was mainly just, I saw the industry growing. Um, and I said, oh, okay, interesting. I like to, in general to build companies that are disrupting something or in a new industry, sure. right? So I saw that note. The next day I found in Washington, they actually had this whole conference um, where it was people interested in li- being licensed there. They, there were lawyers, there were accountants, there were Biotrack was there, like all these people were there. Mm-hmm. So I got a ticket the next day, flew up to Washington, did a three-day seminar, it was very hands-on. I met real owners of dispens- like real uh, dispensary owners, uh-huh. growers, all of these guys. And pretty much what I saw is, a, is, um, is an industry that's coming about that has compliance that I've just never ever seen in any other industry. It's more complex than pretty much anything I've ever seen. Totally. And um, it's very normal small business folks. And most small business folks have a hard time like running payroll and paying taxes. Like very, you know, like stuff that's fairly common. And th- these guys have a like a burden of traceability, which is a whole nother ball game. Mm-hmm. So I immediately saw that. And then, then I started seeing the software and you saw, um, you know, that time I saw Biotrack and I started asking people what they use. And um, a lot of the software is just, you know, it's fair, it's pretty complex. Mm-hmm. It does a lot of stuff. It's doing grow software as well as like processing as well as retail. Um, and I immediately in my head just like had a picture of, okay, like this is how I think we can simplify this and started just coming with ideas. Um, and that's pretty much how the idea got started. Um, from there, you know, I can, I'm, a, I'm a technical, like I'm a both entrepreneur, but I'm technical. So coded up a bit, started showing it to customers uh, or, well, I started showing it to other um, engineers of Outright. And then eventually what I, I did is uh, Washington had, had a list of all the, all the people applying for licenses. So I was like, okay, before we invest too much in this, oh, nice. let's uh, email and pitch them. Yep. So 
or actually a little customer mail. development. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what we did, I actually still have the original brochure. Um, so we took a paper brochure, mailed it to you know about 200. You know, we kept it small at first, got inbound interest, and pretty much like through PowerPoint, it was our designs. I was pitching our software and selling it and just saying we haven't built it yet, but sure. this is how it's going to work. Wireframes, basically. Yep. Here's yeah. our background. This is why you should trust us. And mm -hmm. I was able to get actual deposits. Wow. Our earlier early customers bought before we even had software because they just believed in what we were going to do. Wow. They believed well, in our vision and they believed in you. Yeah, and they saw our track record, yeah. so they knew that we were serious. So you're a successful founder with an exit to a good-sized company, right? Presumably you made a nice chunk of change, uh, and you identify cannabis as this great space. Um, talk a little bit about that breakthrough moment you were, you were talking about a little bit with the burden of traceability and, mm -hmm. and why that's so important. So it, it ha it's, the reason it's so complex is it, it, it's something that they have to do on a daily basis, and it gets distributed across every team members from, so it's, you know, some reporting is, um, you have a CPA and they have to do it every quarter. Well, okay, that's a burden, but you can kind of hire one person and once a quarter deal with that mm -hmm. headache. Mm -hmm. But immediately I saw traceability was, you have to, there, there's a couple key things. One is it's daily. Like you have to literally send all your inventory levels and sales yeah. every single day. Um, so that's huge. The other is, is it's directly tied to almost every person in the business from anyone who manages inventory or is selling or is ordering, so, right? So it touches every role mm -hmm. in a retail business. Um, and so that, that creates you know, a heavy burden as well. And then the other piece is that the state looks at your this retail store differently than you do. So it's a different perspective. And so um, in, in, to give a concrete example, like if you went to a grocery store and I bought this and there was this bottle of water, like this bottle of water has a skew and they all have the same skew in the store. Mm. But cannabis, what looks like the same product to someone on the shelf is actually different to the state, and that's because they track it all the way down to the seed or to the plant. Right. And so, to a to a bud tender behind, you know, they're just going to pick this up, and this is not this skew; it's a different skew. Mm. That's what the state cares about. So that right, like right there, that translation is extremely complex and time consuming. So we have two uh, virtually identical plants of purple Kush. Exactly. Same strain, everything. You put it in the baggie; it looks identical. But to the state, those are totally unique. Yep. Items. Exactly. And so, and you have to report the sale on each plant. So you can't just go through at the end of the day and count your inventory and go, oh, okay, this is how it changed or count your numbers. You actually have to look at it and go, okay, we sold this many from this plant, this many from that plant, yeah. and it goes all the way down into edibles. So it's, it's highly complex to do. And how were dispensaries doing this before they started using it? So, well, in Washington, there were none. I mean, we right. were, like, when we had that first source, the very first time they ever had to deal with traceability. Mm -hmm. In Colorado, they still have to do it manually. There mm -hmm. is still not a system that wow. does this for them. Because it's not allowed? Uh, because the state, um, they're, they, into traceability, they don't have an API, so no one can programmatically hook wow. into it. Um, and then in Oregon's coming up. They still don't have to do a traceability yet, so a lot of the Oregon dispensaries don't realize what's coming their way yet because it's happening later this year. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you think of the value of this concept of traceability? I mean, I, I get where where the concept comes from, right, to try to remove the black market element mm -hmm. uh, getting into it. But do you think that's a real concern? And even though your business is built on it, mm -hmm. is, is that law uh, going to stand? Is that relevant as we moved in, into the future? Yeah. So, I mean, it's an interesting question. There's de there, there's a stigma in the industry, right? So you're going from the the black market or the gray market in some cases, sure. you know, to to the white, you know, and 
So there's a lot of hesitance for people, right? And, and there is some, there's a lot of valid points here, right? Like, so I can guarantee organized crime, you know, and are gonna come in, would come in if, if they if, if they, they didn't could, yeah. do certain, you know, didn't things to block it. Um, there really would be, you know, like in Washington, there's a glut of product right now. Well, most of those people would divert that stuff into the black market. Um, you know, some of them would, right? And so this does prevent some of that and creates a little bit of warm and fuzzies. Mm -hmm. And over time, as the industry matures and grows, right, like the risk profile changes and people know sure. what's happening. So, you know, in 10 years from now, is traceability still going to be around? I, I don't I don't know. I, I do know now, though, that like super relevant, yeah. very relevant. Every single state that's, you know, California. Now it's in 2018. The traceability will be yeah. in California. Yeah. Um, every single state that has legalized or has legalized medical after that has um, done traceability as well. And do you think that law combined with other like banking restrictions and whatnot are set up to uh, help dispensaries fail in a way, right? I mean, are they created to be so complicated that they're prohibitive? Yeah, that's, I mean, I don't, I mean, bureaucracies in general that I found, it's not a mastermind behind yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's not like, it's, Fair enough. you know, it's not a Giving them too much credit. Yeah, maybe. like it's it's usually, you know, oh, there's these concerns. Well, this, this, you know, and then they cobble it together and all of a sudden it's a Frankenstein a bit. You know, that that's more how I've seen it. at least things tend to, mature. So each point that they're trying to address is most likely a relevant concern that they probably should be thinking about. Yep. Now the collection of how it came together is going to be sure. more of a hodgepodge like sure. um but you know then but then after that comes into place I can yeah, I would assume then that people who are against cannabis being legal are then trying to turn those knobs to right, put a wrench, right, right. you know, yeah. to, you know, to prevent growth. A little earmark or whatever, exactly. maybe just a little harder. Yeah, but it, but then um, people who want to see the industry grow are doing the exact opposite, right? Sure. <laughs> so. sure. Right. Yeah. So uh, you come across this list of early dispensaries, early legal dispensaries in Washington. Right? Mm -hmm. How do you come across that list? Is that public? Is that published somewhere? Or? Yeah, so at the time, yeah, yeah I mean, it still is. It's yeah. actually, um, just like liquor licenses, you can actually um, contact the state and it's yeah. public information that will give you a list of them. I mean, you can even actually get the applications. There's a lot of stuff that you can Got get. It. Got it. So yeah, so um, all, all of the various states, you can go and get a list of the, them. And then, yeah. But at the time, it was a little bit of a hot tip, right? Oh yeah, yeah, like, and, and not only that, like, you know, the fact that, um, you know, we're a software company, yeah. it helps, like, and we've dealt with data. So uh, I'll, I'll give you a quick example. So th they publish the list every single week. And so we do lots of tricks to predict who's gonna get licensed. Mm -hmm. So the list is every single person who applied for a license. Mm -hmm. And then it will tell you when they got a license. Oh, wow. But the next question is, is, well, of those thousand, which two are gonna get a license next mm -hmm. week? And so we actually pull the list. We have software that pulls the list every single week diffs changes has an algorithm that will do predictions on who's wow. getting licensed next and we only target a subset of them and how accurate is it it's pretty accurate yeah. i mean we, we're, we got you know we're getting you know better and better at it got it and so one of these dispensaries gets flagged using mm -hmm. your software right and then you must have a pretty robust sales team at this point i mean <laughs> what what is that process like so it's one person it was really? originally me <laughs> wow so word of mouth helps. So yeah. after you get a certain market penetration, you know, like the word gets out what you do, yeah. right? So yeah, it, yeah. It, the burden on sales starts to go down. If a you're bit. doing it better than everybody else, exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, you have to have great, great, um, not only great product but great service. You know, yeah. so I, like all, the whole, all the pieces coming together. So, so that definitely helps now. But early on, yeah, I mean, it's mainly. If you have a list of a hundred people to talk to, I mean, you can just have a salesperson talk to all hundred. Like it's really not all that time consuming. Yeah, yeah. And and then when they see what you're doing and it's very different than what anyone else is doing, 
you know, and it's and you know, and people when we when we demo our software, it's immediately obvious to them yeah. about how much easier it is. Yeah. And and why is it so much easier? I mean, I I've never worked, I've never been a bud tender, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm fairly familiar. There's there's a lot of different options out there, the flow hubs of the world, MMJ menu, you know, MJ free, etc. You know, what what makes it more intuitive? Is it just based on your technology background and how it's been designed or mm-hmm. you know, what what makes it better, I guess? So the one thing that we did that a lot of the incumbents that have market share haven't done is we started the company with traceability in mind. Mm-hmm. So, um, so every piece of the product is built around the fact that there's traceability. Now, now what's interesting is now that we're like 18 months in, we've actually be, we've made it so it works in other industries. Like we run some T-shirt stores and stuff of our customers mm-hmm. as well. But originally it was very focused, and we built our inventory controls around it. The way you sell product, even the way you barcode, like this barcode here. Is not like a product skew. It actually embeds the plant identifier inside of it. Got it. And why is that interesting? Is because remember before, if they pull it off the shelf, they're going to have to type in like the plant number. Yeah. Well, do you want like so? If you think of your retail store, which who, is like a sixteen-digit yeah, it's code, a sixteen-digit right. number yeah. in in Colorado, it's twenty-six. Okay. <laughs> so do you want do you want if you if you think of um, your store, who? The frontline people are the bud tenders. You want them knowledge about the product, talking to customer, customer service. Do you want them to become experts on traceability and understanding the plant lots? Like you don't want them to understand any of that crap. Mm-hmm. Just like we want you to sell product. And so the way we really dumbed it down is you pick it up and you scan it like a grocery store or a Target. And we do all the stuff internally. They don't have to do anything else. So when you add a product, does it also print out the barcode for you? Or yeah. how well, does that? Yeah, so originally um, we were the only people doing this. Yeah. So. Yes, when people received the product into the store, they would then for each each lot number, that's what it's called, the plant, okay? They would then print out a barcode. But we've become popular enough where now all the producers just do it. Like so we used our retailers to push down on the producer processors. Okay. So, you know, I don't know if um I mean you probably I know some archaic retail facts. So so in the seventies, this is exactly how UPC codes were created. And UPC code is, is literally the barcode that you see on almost every product in a grocery yep. store. So the grocery stores got together and they created a consortium and they said, if you want us to sell your product, you put a barcode on it and here is the specs. And they even have fines. Like if, if it comes in and it's out of spec, that vendor will get fined. I mean that's how strict they isn't are. Isn't that like antitrust shit though? <laughs> like isn't that illegal to no, they just say, look, if you want us to buy your product, you yeah. have to have this because we can then get major efficiencies and sell your product. Sure. And yeah. we're just not going to sell your product if, if it doesn't fit these standards. Well, so that's essentially what a lot of our retailers ended up doing is there's so much pushback on these brands. And in Washington, there's all these producer processors with these new products coming on to market and they're all fighting for position sure. in a store. So you want to be the one, you want to make sure you're the one that's easy for them, right? So Absolutely. now that all that, and they're... The other interesting thing is they're already doing all this. La- they're already doing labeling per um, per order already. So all they had to do, we just had to teach them to say, when you're already printing that label, also put this barcode on, and bam. Right, right, right. And then that's saving them how much time? I mean, it's so much time. Is oh. it, can you even calculate it? <laughs> no, it, it's it's no. I, it's very difficult to cal- <laughs> calculate. But yeah, yeah, I mean, you can see um, like we took um, Uncle Ike's is one of our customers. They're a very large store in Seattle, Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have eight cash or ten cash registers now, and their lines just buzz through with ours. And before, what they were using, like manually typing things in, and um, in the mistakes behind it, and then manually, yeah, it was a huge, huge headache. And now their lines go way fast, you know, move a lot but, faster. But not just a pain in the ass, right? I mean, 
truly dangerous. Oh yeah, like because what happens is if you start selling under the wrong plant identifier, then all your reports on inventory are wrong. And the state audits, they'll come in and audit. They'll, they'll randomly come to your store and say, we randomly picked 10 plant identifiers. And it says you have 50 of these, 20 of these, uh, 40 of those. Let's go find them. And they do their counts. That's got to be a fun day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, you know, that is, that's essentially, and then if you're out, they're like, okay, that's a fine. Um, if it happens again, it's a higher fine. Eventually you'll get your license pulled. Wow. Wow. So you're, you're literally saving cannabis businesses. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's like what we want to do. And, yeah. and that's our vision for all the areas for traceability. And then when the traceability, if it ever goes away, then that will go away and we will be, by that point, you know, we'll, we'll be a brand. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so think of it, that's how I think of it is like, you really want to nail the pain really, really well. It gets yeah. you into the stores. It gets our product out there. And then we learn all the other secrets. Yeah. At this point, that part we've already kind of figured out in Washington yeah. and we have it pretty much figured out in, in um, Colorado and Oregon and we're just waiting to you know to start you know scaling those pieces um, but now we are on to all the really interesting things which is all the other now that we're in the store we really see all the stuff that they actually want yeah so the most obvious transition that I noticed probably because I work for a company that makes delivery software uh, is there is no uh, online menu currently mm -hmm. right is that something that you've considered you know kind of branching out into that space uh, yeah so you know, it's like uh, there's always this decision you have to make, like how much do you want to build and how much do you want to partner, yeah. and how, you know, yeah. or just uh, acquire, you know, maybe buy or license something, right? Yeah. So that's the decision we made there. There's some good, co really good companies, right? So um, if you think of it like purely just um, menus or listing, you know, you have Leafly and, and Weed Maps. Yeah. Um, and so we're, we're talking to them about working, working with them. Like, do we really want to like compete against them, right? You know, like that's not really... We're not start. We're not going to start there, right? Mm -hmm. they, they're doing a pretty good job, um, but there are other. There are, are a bunch of other pieces, like in-store menus, is a very popular item for our customers as well. Right, but if a company is, if a dispensary is doing delivery, right, they oh, yes. they do need something else, right? So, are you recommending that they use a, a certain other online menu, or how do you handle that? Well, so Washington, there's no deliveries. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> so, but but that's coming down the pipe, right? I mean, you're you're. You are in Oregon and California currently, yep. or you're no. Doing... So in Oregon, we have yeah, we have customers there um, yep. that were you know doing beta programs, and learning you know differences and making sure that everything's nailed down. Yeah. Um, we're not in anywhere in California. Yeah. Um, and then the same thing in Colorado. Yeah, got it. Um, and yes, so yes, and that's exact, exactly. So you know, we've been talking. I don't know. Did you have the the Baker guys on? Baker. Uh, well, anyway, so not we've yet. been talking Producer to. Shake. Okay, yeah. So we've been we've been talking to um, a couple companies about that as well. Yeah, got it. Cool. So you've had tremendous growth in Washington, mm -hmm. uh, and then why why there and not in the other states that are legal, and why why is it kind of siloed still? Yep. And so I've just found to build a business, you, you like businesses aren't built like all at once, right? There, you you know, it's like. The cli you know, you're building the cliche, the, the foundation, and then the next floor, the next floor. So it was kind of when looking at it, like, where are we going to start? Well, one is I want to be, I want to be going to where I see the future of the industry moving towards, right? So um, at the time of starting Greenbits, like Washington, like you, you saw Colorado and what they did, and then you saw Washington kind of follow. And then you, you saw Oregon, you know, and they're talking about the same things. And, and so you're seeing all these pieces and you could see kind of where it's going, mm -hmm. okay? 
So, and then um, Colorado at the time is heavily entrenched, right? So there's all these other competitors there already and you'd have to switch stores. Like switching a store is extremely complex and time consuming and costly, okay? So I didn't wanna, why would we start in Colorado where it's super, you know, it's gonna be difficult to get people out and our software is barely working at this point because it's right. the very first iteration of yeah. it. So Washington to me was just, it's a green field, right? It's like complete, there was, at the time, there was no one, no none of the rec stores there. Um, the other thing, oh yeah, none of the rec stores there. Um, it had traceability, which I believe, like that's what we believe where, where it's Central, going. Yeah. And, um, and then the other thing that we knew is the way they licensed, they were growing slow. So like Colorado, what they did is they took all the medical stores and they said, hey, you could open a rec on this date. So you see January 1st, all of a sudden there was like all these rec stores open. Washington, they said, look, we're gonna have 350 licenses and then every month we'll license five. Mm. So the reason we like, I like that is because I'm not losing market share, right? So I can choose, out of those five, I'm gonna choose two of the ones that are willing to bet on us and let's work with them. Mm -hmm. And okay, I lost three because we can't handle them yet. That's okay, I lost three the next month. Got and it. then by the time we were ready to go is when the state it is already scaling. Consistent with your own ramp. Exactly, right? yeah. yep. So we're not missing market. So we didn't miss any of that stuff. And now we're just going back and collecting all the people that we missed in the early on. That's so fascinating. And I think that's one of the tenants that's really missing in cannabis today. I mean, you're, you're taking your experience from building another company in technology, right? And applying some of those concepts here. And I think a lot of times in cannabis, founders are moving so quickly, right? That they're, they're not doing a good job of basically what you're doing, right? Is like saying, hey, we're gonna do a really good job in Washington. And then we're going to use that as a model to, to sort of branch out, right? Yep. Uh, I think there's a lot of companies that won't be named that are going <laughs> that are going a little fast these days. Yeah, and and that's what you see happens is then all the quality drops down, all the customer service, and then everyone hates them. You yeah. cannot get like it's very difficult to change someone's perception of you. It's like so if you've already burned someone and then someone else heard about it, like it's very difficult to get those people back on on board. And I and I'm more let's build a great company, great software, and then use that the opposite way to accelerate our growth. To, to use that as an advantage or leverage to get into new markets now. Mm -hmm. You know, so now once we go into you know, we're a little bit in Oregon, but once we really launch there, right? Now we have right on the border all of those stores use green bits, mm -hmm. you know? And so now it's go look at them. Yeah. And we're doing all the stuff that the state just implemented is brand new to you guys. We've been doing that for 18 months yeah, already. Yeah. yeah. And our product was designed around that. Like we're ready. So let's step back a little bit to formation. So you yeah. get this list, you have a target of how many dispensaries is, is the first? Uh, Originally uh, it was 350. 350. Mm -hmm. And how many of those do you reach out to? How many do you do you sign up? Yeah, so it's it's kind of like all the, you know, of course the devil's in the details. There's a lot of complication around that 350. Sure. So there still aren't yeah. even 350 stores in Washington. Uh -huh. Okay, so like that original list of 350 still have not all been licensed. Yeah. So what they did is they, um, they took, there was like 2,000 applications for 350 slots. Then they did a lottery um, to, to rank positions. And then there's a lot of people that just weren't, that applied that weren't serious or didn't have locations. So they're getting dropped off. Yep. And so that's what the state's working down. So um, so there, there's about 225 licensed at this point. Um, and they're licensing, you know, approximately 20 to 30 a month at this point is, yeah. is kind of, is, is the way it works. So they still haven't hit 350. But what's interesting is they just, up the cap, so now that it's not 350 cap, it's actually gonna be higher, and they're rolling medical into the same regulations. Interesting. That happens July 1st. So is there a moment after you do, I don't know, your 10th sales call, right, that you're like, shit, this is gonna work? You know, like, is, do you have yeah. that moment? Yeah, so 
it's you know i'm very iterative thinker so it's like what's the next milestone okay that worked what's the next milestone so yeah like early on the fact that you know when pitching to someone um, with the powerpoint <laughs> that they're so connected to what you're doing mm -hmm. that they're willing to actual buy pay mm -hmm. and they're mm -hmm. willing to pay more than competitors i'm like okay we're on to something yeah. i'll put a little bit more money in yeah. and then you start going you're like now you're actually outselling it and you know so now you have five people using it and they're telling you they love it tweak this and that i'm like okay great let's put some more money in so like that's essentially what we've been doing you know for till and then at some point you're like okay like this is really working yeah and so and and that's like that's pretty much where we are now. We're like, okay, this is clearly working. Now the question is, is can we do it in other markets in parallel at the same exact time while keeping quality high? Right, yeah. Massive challenge. Yep. Uh, you talked about repeatedly putting in money at the right times, mm -hmm. right, when you, when you saw it growing. What's particularly interesting about your startup is it's all your money, <laughs> right? So, how, I mean, first of all, that means you really believe in it, right, if you're putting your own money into something. Uh, it's also a great signal as far as a, any founder, right? You're not a first-time founder, that's a big deal. Uh, but you haven't had the need to have any investors, right? I mean, why, why make that decision? So, okay, so one nice thing about, about doing a startup before, right, is that it's very, it's nice when you start a company uh, it's very, it's okay. You're kind of by yourself, and and all all the everyone's going. You're crazy. There's all these competitors. You're never going to beat them. It's very like, you know, people are kind of beating down your vision all yep. all the time. Yep. So it feels really good when you raise money. You're like, oh, see, someone believes in us. You yeah, know, I told that, you I was right. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, kind of like kind of that. Yeah. But but a lot of people get so focused on that that they're not like build a good business. Like raising money does not mean that you have a good business. Mm -hmm. It no, means that you yeah. got someone to invest inside of yeah. your into your company. And so I kind of had that, I'm like, okay, I know exactly what investors are gonna give us. I know what pressure, there's downsides of getting investors. Okay, like if we got investors, when we started, right when we started Greenbit, the pressure's gonna be grow, 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 grow like crazy. And you're like, the market's not even, there's 350 of them. Like, yeah. how fast can I grow? Totally. You know, what am I gonna do with the cash? Um, and so, so yeah, so I'm lucky to be in the position where we have some cash to put in. Okay, so that's one, so I didn't have a dire need. But I stepped back and if you look um, at, at Greenbits and, and what we, we actually sell a, a real product and people pay money for it. So, yep. and they, most of them pay annually, like 65 to 70% of our customers pay upfront for the year. So cash flow is really good, you know. So every time we, you know, um, every time we sell it, we're getting the whole year up front. And projections are easy too. Yeah. Right? So yeah. exactly. So you can start modeling this stuff. Now that's a type of business that you don't need tons of cash. It's not like I had to put in tons of money. Yeah. Um, now early on, so Trey's another uh, co-founder. He he put in some money, and then Andrew's another co-founder, and he put in sweat equity early. Mm -hmm. So you know, early on we had all three of us, and now that we're growing, yeah, it is. And they're engineers, correct? Yeah, so, engineers. So they built this. So that's also another cost that you didn't incur. Yep. Directly. Right? Early on. Yep. yep. And there was, um, and they were outright engineers, so already like awesome engineers yeah. and good business thinkers as well. Got you it. know, they have the whole. Got it. Got so it. that's kind of, um, yeah. So that that's kind of how how it got started and how we thought about putting in money. And at this point, we're just about cash flow positive. We were cash flow positive last month, we'll be cash flow positive this month, um, but we're still not like there where we're consistently gonna be cash flow positive yeah. yet. And can you foresee a time where you'd wanna raise money? Yeah, so, okay, so kind of back to that, yeah, like why didn't, you know, that's why we didn't raise money is because I believed in the idea, it's continually getting validated right. and the cash flow is reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you could see it on there like, oh, we, we can get here. Yeah, and, and uh, software is really high margin to begin with, right? I mean. Yep, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
once it's built, right? Like your R and D is really expensive, but once sure. that thing's built, it's just yeah. yeah. So, um, but there become there comes a point where you might you so okay. Let me step back. So for growth, right? You want to grow at the maximum pace necessary to beat all your competitors, right? And growing much faster is actually kind of a waste mm. of resources, truthfully. Mm. Like you, you know, you want to grow as fast as you can. So, but when the market's small. I don't need all this cash to grow, right? We were growing at the clip we needed to. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, 2016 is gonna be an interesting year, right? So now we have, you know, Colorado, you know, more than a thousand, you know, so if you think of what our addressable market right now, we're going from, you know, currently it's 225. Well, that's going to 900 mm -hmm. in Washington. Mm -hmm. Then you have Oregon coming online. There's already, you know, there's gonna be probably about a thousand there. And then you have, Colorado that we're going after it's another 1500 so our, our you know if you think of the size that have changed yeah, just wow. there and so then the next thing is okay well how much cash do I need to acquire all those customers and if um, okay and you don't have to acquire them all in one month right it's over time and you have to be beating your competitors so what is that pace that we have to be at and it's possible that pace requires some cash mm -hmm. and if that's the case then we would probably raise it cash in terms of uh, back-end like support infrastructure salespeople you know what what would that cash be, be used for to grow yeah. faster yeah so mainly it's gonna be it's mainly sales okay mm -hmm. so we have um, like I'm a I'm um, a numbers person so every one of our numbers is in a spreadsheet like so cost to acquire a customer we know exactly what it costs yep. we have it all modeled out um, how long it takes us to earn that money back so yeah so it's mainly that how much does it cost to acquire a customer? And you share just... any of that stuff, CAC, LTV, <laughs> or, or that's, uh, that's not public? No, I haven't shared any of that yeah. yet. I, I will at some point, yeah. actually. Just yeah, not today. But I mean, I think I'm not encouraging you to share. Yep. It's fascinating because you've done such a good job at it, right? I mean, you just told me you only had one sales guy, and you're 50 percent <laughs> penetration in the state of Washington. That's incredible. Yeah. Oh, and we. Yeah. I mean, so some numbers I'll give is like you know we we. From acquiring a customer, we break even after uh, five months. You know, so it takes five months to get to get that that cash back. Yep. We've never lost a customer still, so zero percent churn rate. Wow. Um, you know, so yeah, so things the the metrics and the That's unit so economics. That's so incredible. Look I just great. have to go back for a second. You've yet <laughs> to lose a customer. Yeah. Yep. Never. Wow. And is that because there aren't enough competitors out there yet? Is there anyone challenging those businesses, or it just repeatedly is better? Yeah, so and you know, there are definitely people challenging it, or you know, or attempting to, and in, 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 um, we're still just further ahead. Now, yeah. you know, in our product, you can't say it's perfect. Like it's not perfect. We're striving for perf sure. perfection, right? Yeah. So every month we're trying to get better and better and yeah. better. And so, um, so yeah, like if uh, I don't think it's it would be impossible to build a better product than ours right now. I just mm -hmm. right currently, like in these markets, we are you're ahead. We're, yeah, we're ahead, and. Um, uh, we're going to do everything we can to stay ahead and to continue <laughs> yeah. to invest and to create a, a kick-ass product. I mean, that's, you know, I'm constantly thinking about it, listening to our customers, trying to get engineers to pull it off, all of that stuff while keeping the business together with the wheels on falling off, you know? Yeah. It brings up a really interesting question that I ask founders pretty consistently, but like, what does your day look like? I mean, <laughs> when you wake up, what, what do you do all day? You know? So... In the company, my role, I do, I do, I bounce around a ton. Yeah. So in general, I, 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 um, I work on whatever's the the most critical thing that like that other people can't work on yet, really. And I try to protect the team a lot. So we have an engineering team. We have three engineers, um, and so I really try to protect their time to make sure that they're not getting overwhelmed with like support requests or sales requests, um, and they, so they can build out the product. Um, 
So that's one thing that I do, and I'll shield them. So it could be, you know, um, helping out on the sales side if necessary, cool. closing high, like bigger accounts if yep. necessary, helping on difficult problems. Um, lately, I've been working on automating accounting and billing. Like that's something. So you know, I'm looking at like, what do we need to grow? Here are the bottlenecks. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm working on some of those pieces. Um, Got it. So it really changes every day. But but the one thing that it, my schedule is generally the same. I tend to work out of a coffee shop in the morning plan my day, catch up on like email, figure out what the highest ROI things for me to work on. And then usually the last of the day is just executing. Um, I have a family, so I I tend to work two days a week, uh, two to three days a week till 10 at night. So I'll work from, you know, um, 8.30 till 10 yep. at night. And then the other days I, I, I tend to come home around seven. Got it. Listen up, guys. That's what it takes here, right? We're talking about 14-hour days to get 50% penetration in Washington, <laughs> for sure. So another thing that helped your growth, but maybe in a different way than most people realize, is you chose to participate in TechCrunch Disrupt, oh, yeah. uh, which is a conference that I'm pretty familiar with. I used to be a part of the team that put on the Launch Festival, which is their competitor here in San Francisco, but massive startup competition here, right? So and primarily, I think people go there for a couple reasons. One is to get exposure, and it tends to be a lot of consumer exposure, right? Download this app, try this new on-demand food, <clears throat> whatever. The second is investment, right? And so I'm kind of curious why you chose to go down that road because you weren't looking for investors, and I'm guessing that there weren't a lot of dispensary owners sitting in the audience yeah. of Disrupt, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I want to be ahead of where we need to be, and... And we always had in the plan that 2016 is going to be a huge year for us, okay? Because I believe that's what's going to, the market's going to start growing faster than, than we could probably grow on our cash flow. So, and I think this is the year. I'm not positive yet. Um, and so we got, I, I can't remember, someone sent, someone said, oh, disrupt on the team. And then I'm like, oh, do you guys want to do it? And we kind of said, no, we're too busy doing these other things. Yep. Well, we were at a conference in Colorado and they extended the deadline and I happened to see the email and it was like, final, today's the final day. And I was like, oh, that's funny. And then they're like, you know, we should just shoot a video real quick. Mm. We already had the point of self set up because it was at a conference. Yeah. So we literally right then said, okay, what are we gonna say? And we just filmed it right there on a phone. Wow. And then that night we submitted it and we met it by the deadline probably one minute before the deadline, right, you know right, what I mean? Yeah. Um, and we were just like, whatever, we'll just, we'll just see. And then we ended up getting in, you know, and I was like, oh, cool. So we actually got in. So the real idea for Disrupt is that in the real challenges for like cannabis related businesses is, is credibility really. Like it, it, because it's been on the black market for so long, it's hard to get true credibility. Like, yeah. you know, you're like, oh, I'm building a point of sale and, um, it's directed towards cannabis and people go, what are you, a stoner? Right. Like, which is kind of, if you think about it, it's ridiculous. Like, yep. it, it, if you build it towards, you know, for a liquor store, what are you, an alcoholic? Yep. I mean, it, yep. it just doesn't make any 100%. sense. Like, yep. so, and that, that, that still occurs all the time. So, what I wanted to do is to prove to really the investment community and to entrepreneurs and, you know, the real people that are going to TechCrunch Disrupt, yep. that this is not some a stoner movement with a bunch of stoner companies. This is a real industry that's growing right in front of you. Mm -hmm. And you guys are gonna miss out if you if if you don't start looking at it more seriously. Yeah. No, I really saw it as a, a watershed moment for, for cannabis. I was in the audience that day <laughs> when, when you pitched and like when any 
cannabis company comes on stage, are they talking? The first couple minutes are filled with giggles, yeah, right, and people make jokes about a budding industry yeah. and all this innuendo <laughs> and all this other stupid bullshit that's not helping the industry. But then as you continue to talk and explain the real challenge associated that we just discussed mm -hmm. mainly, the room got very quiet and they got very, very interested in a hurry. Yep. And I think it was a huge credibility, not only to you, but to how far the industry has come that now we have the traditional investors paying attention and looking at this not as a lifestyle choice or mm -hmm. business, but as a real business, an investable business. Uh, and I, I, I kind of commend you for that because <laughs> it was a cool moment for me, you know, like being in the audience saying, wow, this is my two worlds have sort of come together oh, yeah. in a way. And okay. Uh, after pitching, like, do you know how many judges came up afterwards going like, when you first started, I was like, come on, what is this yeah. thing? And they're like, I have to know more. Yeah. You've got to tell me more. Well, because on the surface, it seems hokey, yeah. right? It's like, oh, I'm going to make a POS for X, yep. right? For exactly. Weed. Just like I'm going to make an Uber for exactly. cats, whatever, you know? Uh, but when you dive into it, it's not so much a POS system yeah. as a traceability system. Exactly. Right? Which is the far more important piece of this. <laughs> yeah. But tell me a little bit more about your disrupt experience. I mean, what what are the days following like, you know, the, the couple days after? Well, one, it's a, it's more work than I originally realized yeah. when we signed up. Yeah. I mean, in retrospect, I think we would still probably do it if I knew, but just I... Just in terms of rehearsals? Oh, and, my gosh, yeah. yeah. And the pitches are very, you know, to do a six-minute pitch where people actually understand something, you know, it's fairly complex what we're doing, and there's market nuances. And, and if you have no concept of that yeah, that market. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of work. You know, we probably went through 15 different decks to get to finally where we were yeah. at. Multiple, yeah, multiple rehearsals. Mm -hmm. um, and then just, you know, it's just grueling when you're doing all that, plus growing the business and supporting it. And that's already a ton of work. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just, um, but it really helps. Um, I, I always love this, like board meetings after raising capital. I love board meetings. It, it, it's, it's like an opportunity to step back and to think at a more um, strategic level yep. at the whole industry and how where are you fitting. And, and so that really did help the whole team actually because I was practicing in front of them and like it got us all thinking like okay where are we what where is this position and fired up I'm sure oh yeah, right? yeah 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 exactly and we you know I of course uh I'm competitive uh so you know we, we were there to win it you know that's yeah. what that's really what we wanted to do and, and were you nervous or do you have any stage fright or? yeah I'm well so I mean I sp I speak um at events and yeah I always get I think it's normal to get nervous so yeah, yeah. I definitely had nerves uh, it, it was actually more, it was a little bit strange because the audience is so dead. That that was actually the more disturbing, like I'm used to like people engaging. Yeah. And when I went out, it was like the whole fir first rows are all pressed, just like working. And it was, so the second time I pitched, I was like, okay, don't look at the first couple rows. Right, just right. pretend no one's there. Right. So. Yeah. And then, so you come off stage and everybody says, oh, you did a great job, right? The, the question and answer, you guys really should go watch it. Uh, it's pretty it's pretty interesting and you'll learn a lot about <laughs> what we're talking about here too. Uh, but then does your inbox just get flooded? I mean, oh, yeah. I know I sent you an email. So. <laughs> yeah, actually, I mean, I feel bad. Like it's, yeah, email is starting to become a problem for me. Right? It's yeah. like, I'm just getting so many emails and our team is just small. So, you know, people from partnering to investing to yeah. working there, it's just like, just flooded. Um, and it's, it's really overwhelming. So, yeah, I mean, I tend to always break my to-do list system, you know, like I'll do, you know, it'll get all organized and I can keep on top of it. And then eventually I get even more crap coming in and it breaks it and then I have to reorganize. So yep. it, it did enough where I had to completely reorganize, revamp my to-do system once again. And 
what's probably the best thing that came out of that? I mean, is there a partnership or, I mean, you're not raising money, which is the, <laughs> the big thing with Disrupt usually. Oh, but, but, okay, so I'm not raising money, but it got me in touch with all the investors interested. And it's people, I mean, people are offering us money all the time. Of course. Like, yeah. you know, so I have, you know, investor calls and they're like, oh, you know, we're interested in investing right now. What do we have to do? And I'm just like, well, we're not looking for investment yet, but hold on because you know we're ready you know I'll, I'll reach out to you so it built all the connections that i need so what i really want is by the time i see hey it's time to hit the gas pedal like i want to be able to go out and and, and raise capital already so for these investors i'm you know providing updates already i'm talking yeah. to them already so it's really just you know i'm doing all the laying all the foundation on the pre-work so by the time we need it we, you know we know the other thing is that I want the be just like I want the best engineers and the best product people, I want the best investors, the one that are going to unlock the doors. So, you know, I want people that are in the payment industry. So mm. when, you know, when Visa, MasterCard starts changing their mind or the federal, you know, banking laws change, I've got, you know, the person who knows how to unlock every single key there. Yeah. Uh, you know, or lock. And um, yeah, so... You know, so I want the best of the best, and the easiest thing to do is just keep talking, talking to them, and you know, you can find out who's going to add strategic value. And and do you want strategic value? You mentioned the banking side, which is fascinating. That's, yeah, right? that's one side. Yeah. Uh, but do you want more strategic value on the cannabis side or on the tech side? <laughs> right, because that's your background, right? So yep. I mean, do you have more to learn in that side, or you know, what what what's the most strategic value for you? So I think it's both. Yeah, so it's both. So you know. Definitely the cannabis space, but there's no, there's some major players in cannabis, but there's no one who can unlock like every, you know, there's, yeah, of course. there's not like someone who is so large that if you got them as an investor, it's like, I'm in every retail store. Yeah, yeah. There isn't someone that exists like it right. yet. Now there's some larger people that are well-known names um, that you can get on board. But in the tech industry, there really are people like that. You can Definitely. go on and say, if you have this person, you like, you know, so for Outright, for example, we had Mark Andreessen invested in, um, as an angel investor in Outright. And we had to do a deal. Outright's your previous company. Yeah, sorry, that you yes. Sold. Yeah. That's that's yep. my previous company that I sold. And we um, we wanted to do this deal with eBay. So well Mark Andreessen's on the board of eBay. So so we just eBay, so, yeah, talk so about juice. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like it you know, originally contacting him, it was gonna take six months to do anything. After the after an introduction, it took a day. Like yeah. literally a day. Of course. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things like that that really help, you know, moving forward. Shortcuts is another good one too. Like people who have done um, similar industry or similar sales models can just tell you like, here, of these 20 options, let me tell you pros and cons of each. So yeah. now instead of trying all 20 to find out the optimum, you just like narrowed it down. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about Andreessen Horowitz, like they have in-house recruiters, they can have like a SDR for you, right? They offer all these services. Oh yeah, and then that, yeah. yeah, and so first round, like first round capital, they invested in. They do CEO days, CTO days. They help with hiring. They help. I mean, they're amazing. The amount of resources they give you. And did then you, you see the first round uh, Christmas. Yeah, I've been in that twice. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, they did a really good job this year. Yeah, they're yeah, they're always fun. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you're out here in in San Francisco. You're you're from the Bay Area originally, yep. right? And and you still live in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Again, when are we coming to California? Right, I know 2018 <laughs> is traceability. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is that when you'll look to do it here, or or prior to that? Pro most likely prior, yeah. um, because so you know when you're thinking of a point of sale and inventory, there's there's just so many pieces to get right mm -hmm. that when we started, we had to get the traceability 
like rock solid and a couple other, you know, the checkout really great. Cool. But now we pretty much have, we have a lot of the pieces nailed down and it's starting to work in all these different cases. So now it can not only work with traceability, it can run, like I was saying, like a pipe, you know, so it, it runs like t-shirts and paraphernalia shops now. So it can do that as well. Well, then we can clearly come start doing medical in California. Sure. So we'll, we'll definitely come here um, sooner than that. Once it's really a step, you know, like what's more important to us, Colorado and Oregon or California? Well, California is extremely critical. It's just not yet. Like yeah. we're just not working not on there that yet. yet. Not there yet. Cool, man. Well, this has been fascinating. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us here. And evidently we cut through your email noise, which, which <laughs> I'm happy to hear. So uh, pr promote some stuff here. Are you big on Twitter? Do you, do you tweet? I know you're bcurran, at bcurran. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can yeah. follow me at bcurran. Do you tweet? Or no, I don't tweet really. a ton. Um, I'm very, I'm very like, I'm always thinking of how to build a better company. So sure. I tend to be very inward focused. Um, yeah, I mean, you can email me Ben at Greenbits if you want to shout out yeah. or, uh, or, you know, like, let me know what you're up to. And I is there anybody that you want to hear from? Like anybody in particular that you're, or kind of person that, that you're looking to hear for? You're hiring maybe? Or you're yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, so we're always like, you know, we're pro we are building the best cannabis point of sale product. So if you're interested in your technologist, if you're into product, marketing sales we're looking for the best people and definitely reach out because that's that's exactly what we need to build a great company and a great culture and yep. inside our company awesome well guys this has been fun we are uh investing in cannabis.tv at cannabis pod on twitter at cannabis pod on instagram check us out on mass roots we're making a big push on mass roots you do any mass roots you know Isaac and the, and the gang over there. Yeah, I've met them. I, we don't do much there yet. Either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're B2B, right? It's, yep. it's, it's a little different. It's a little different. Guys, thanks again for watching, and uh, we'll see you next time.